Hello, and welcome to Bruce World, where I'll be your life guide. If you haven't guessed it, I'm Bruce, Bruce Handler. And with each episode, I plan to discuss a thought-provoking topic and, of course, share my point of view. To talk about humans and the interesting things we do, maybe teach you a thing or two, share some facts that are really true, and make you laugh at least once before I'm through. Hello, and welcome to episode 23 of my podcast entitled, 61% of Americans are lonely. Ah, look at all the lonely people. Is much more than part of the lyrics of a Beatles song, and way ahead of its time, as the number of lonely Americans just keeps growing over the years. Yes, of course, there are big issues that need to be dealt with in our country, like health care, alcohol and drug addiction, government spending, the increasing division in our country, crime and violence, homelessness and poverty, obesity, self-image, maintaining a healthy economy, race relations, and of course, COVID. But there's another big issue that, although it's gotten some play in the past by the press, due to a couple of studies that were published in recent years, it's really not gotten much more traction than that. And yet it is so concerning. The data is so staggering. It's almost unbelievable. And the situation continues to get worse. Based on my title of the podcast, it's obvious what this big issue is that I'm referring to. And I can sum it up in three words. The loneliness epidemic. I've almost never used the word epidemic. It's one of the most overused words when it comes to things other than diseases or viruses like COVID. Now, before I get into just how big of a problem loneliness is, let's be clear on what we're talking about when it comes to loneliness. Now, it obviously has to do with how you feel. You feel lonely because you wish you had more human contact. But not just any type of contact. It has to be meaningful contact. In other words, there are people who may not be alone who can also feel lonely. People may have acquaintances, family members, colleagues they can talk to, but they lack meaningful relationships, the kind where they feel they can really connect with another human being and share their thoughts and feelings openly and not feel overly judged, where someone makes them feel understood. A person who listens with support and empathy, a true confidant, someone who has your back. What do the stats tell us about loneliness? According to a comprehensive study that was done in 2019, 61% of Americans are feeling lonely. But wait, there's more. 70% of millennials feel lonely. 80% of Gen Zers feel lonely. You have to admit these numbers are just astounding, in particular given all the ways we now have at our disposal to connect and communicate with people. Yet people were far less lonely many, many years ago when the only way to communicate was in person or by letter. Yes, even before the invention of the phone, (laughs) landlines. In addition to these stats, one that caught my attention and really stood out given their roles and how much interaction they have with others is that 56% of senior executives reported feeling lonely, stating there's no one they felt they can talk to when it came to being able to confide in somebody. 
69% of them said not even one person really knows them well. So I guess the old adage is true that it's lonely at the top, but we also know it's lonely in the middle and at the bottom. There's no escaping it regardless of age, title, or income. According to one 2019 survey, it's sad to say that 22% of adults between 22 and 27 report having not even one friend at all. And 18 to 24-year-olds are the loneliest group in our country. So I hope that by my sharing these statistics, it might motivate you to either reach out to your adult children or next time you talk with them, you share that you listen to this podcast and you share the stats provided and you ask what they think about this topic and the data. It's a simple way to ease into a conversation to get a sense as to whether or not they have any friends. And most importantly, real friends, close friends. I'm talking about meaningful relationships where they trust and confide in somebody. And if not, discuss why. And some alternatives to help them find friends, which I will share soon in this podcast. Now, one thing you can clearly share is that they're not the only ones who feel the way they do. That many of their peers, of course, are in the same situation, which will come from your sharing the statistics. This perspective will provide a certain level of comfort and could lead to motivation to do something about taking action to create close friendships. And how can we talk about loneliness and not talk next about social media? (laughs) So put your seatbelts on because here we go. Just think of the ways we have to connect with people today, from email and text to several dating apps, Tinder, Bumble, Coffee Meets Bagel. There's Facebook, there's Facebook groups, there's Twitter, there's Instagram, Snapchat, Pinterest, TikTok. And when playing video games, you can even talk to your opponents. However, the data tells a very different, sad, and concerning story, which is that there is a greater feeling of loneliness among those who use social media more frequently. 71% of social media users reported feelings of loneliness, and that's up from 53% just one year ago. That increase alone has to scare you. And the top 25% of social media users were twice as likely to report feeling lonely as people just using it on occasion. What are some of the direct negative impacts of social media? Social media makes people feel inadequate, left out, and feeling lonely. Why? Because it portrays people who seem to be living more exciting, happy-go-lucky lives with hundreds of good friends at their side. So you're scrolling through an endless stream of photos of parties, vacations, family gatherings, weddings, that increases feelings of being left out or dissatisfaction with one's own life. The reality is that this is generally not reality. Many, many people are not leading these so-called great lives filled with friends, no matter how popular they seem to be, no matter how many people surround them. The bottom line is if being online is more isolating than connecting, it's clearly a sign you need to log off. You want to be careful about the amount of time you and your children are spending on social media as well as the number of hours spent gaming. Because these habits will only serve to reinforce the types of habits that lead to more of a life of isolation and loneliness. Okay, 
So people are lonely. So what? Well, let's talk about the impact, the toll that loneliness can take on us both mentally and, believe it or not, physically as well. And loneliness has been found to have significant impact on the lives of people, no matter what their age. Did you know that lonely people are more likely to suffer from insomnia, to be more stressed, to have more significant anxiety issues, to be more depressed and even suicidal, to develop memory and learning issues, to have weaker immune systems, to have an increased risk of developing cardiovascular disease and suffering heart attacks or strokes, and to develop unhealthy habits due to being more likely to make poor decisions and engage in risky behavior, which can lead to such issues as substance abuse, antisocial behavior, poor health habits like obesity due to overeating and lack of exercising. A study of loneliness and social isolation has shown it can, believe it or not, be as damaging to a person's health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. And it contributes to early mortality, even shortening a person's life by 15 years. That boggles my mind. The bottom line here is without the emotional support and caring provided by close friendships, even one good friendship, we're destined to lead more physically and mentally unhealthy lives. I've now talked about loneliness for a bit without even talking about COVID and the social isolation it has caused, even though people could still obviously do Zoom or FaceTime calls, email, text, etc. However, those things are no, as in capital N-O, substitute for personal contact. Even for introverts, who had a much greater tendency to not be as bothered by working from home, we all need strong connections. And they're so much harder to have without personal interaction, which is also a reason why most long-distance intimate relationships don't work. Now, I'm personally a huge fan of remote work. However, I'm concerned about the downside of full-time remote work and the amount of loneliness that it may lead to. Working in person creates so many opportunities for friendships to develop. Work is one of the most common places in which at least one good friendship is formed. So my caution to companies and employees and candidates is to think twice about the impact of full-time work from home arrangements versus going in the office on occasion. Maybe it's one day a week or once every couple of weeks. And during that time, don't spend it sitting in a bunch of meetings. But that's a great time to connect one-on-one with people, whether it's formal, related to business, or informal, just having an opportunity to connect personally. When is corporate America going to wake up to this particular problem known as loneliness and proactively do something about it? versus saying they offer an EAP and great mental health benefits and people who feel lonely can get help using those resources. Those resources are being used too late, after the fact. From the time a person starts throughout their careers, you can help your employees make connections. For those who are in the workplace, look around you and see how many people are not taking a lunch and who are sitting alone and eating alone during breaks and lunch, and either looking at their phone or computer or iPad or watching TV in a break or lunchroom versus interacting with others. 
With young people, it's particularly clear we're seeing this activity more and more because they lack the social skills needed to develop friendships as easily as their older colleagues. So, when an employee starts, make sure they have a buddy assigned to them, regardless of level, whether it's the lowest level or senior level management. Because remember, it's also lonely at the top. And it's imperative you look for someone that will have things in common in their personal and work life and someone who is social. And make sure the role of the buddy is clear, which beyond getting them acclimated to the work in the workplace, is also to introduce them to others and not just to have them say, hello, this is Bill or this is Frank, and move on to the next one and the next one. But bring them along on lunches and breaks. And when you introduce them to others, take time to have those individuals talk. And again, not just about work and what their job is going to be, but it's a great opportunity to try to find ways for these people to connect by finding things of personal interest in common. So even when you move people internally, find them a buddy, somebody who can help them adjust to that new area, build connections within that new function. Other ideas are to offer classes on how to make friendships, learning to have conversations with strangers, etc. And by having certain exercises and classes like these, just having people attend and going through the exercises can lead to the creation of friendships. And people will see they are not the only ones who need help in these areas. Also, every once in a while, have meetings about the employees and not work and discuss hobbies, interests, and families so people can find out who has what in common. You can even have a meeting to talk about loneliness and have people share experiences and ideas to combat it and how people have built friendships. Lastly, companies should also offer friendship connections, almost like an internal dating service where you ask people if they would like to make friend connections, and if so, then help bring these people together. Okay, switching gears from companies to individuals. What can you do to become less lonely or to help others become less lonely? And this is the $64,000 question. It may seem bleeding obvious, but to build friendships does require one thing, (laughs) that you engage with others socialize with others, that you find time to do this by simply cutting down on the time spent on social media or gaming or watching TV or similar types of activities. Like I've done in other podcasts, I'm not going to offer a lengthy list of actions to take to address an issue, but rather I'm going to give you a short list of things that you may be more likely to try and that are most likely to be effective. The first one is the easiest of them all. That's to accept that loneliness is normal, which based on data I shared earlier, you now know it's extremely common. And just knowing that others are experiencing the same feelings, that there are a lot of people who wish they had friends, should put you more at ease and help you realize it's okay to try and reach out and connect with people more because they're waiting for people to connect with them. They're lonely. The second action, and this may come as a surprise to you because it has nothing to do with other people, just you. And that is taking self-care. You're significantly more likely to want to socialize and be open to connecting with others if you first take care of yourself so that you feel good about yourself, so that you like 
yourself. Because the better we feel about ourselves, the more motivated we'll be to want to socialize with others and to feel more comfortable doing so. What exactly do I mean by self-care? I mean taking care of two things, your physical and your mental or emotional health. The more you are happy with these things, the healthier you are, the more likelier you are to want to socialize. This by no means has to do with trying to be perfect and taking care of your mind and body since no one can. But it means doing some things to try and manage your stress. Doing some exercising, which does not mean running marathons tomorrow. But just regular walking can be very beneficial. Or finding a sport that you enjoy playing or volunteer work that involves your having to move around. And then there's getting a good night's sleep, and I can't stress this enough, how important this is, and I'm talking about seven to nine hours most nights, and trying to eat healthier. Not becoming a nutritionist or cutting your calories in half, but specifically finding ways to eat less sugar, less fast foods, and fewer processed foods. Action three, which I mentioned in action two, is volunteer work. People who volunteer for something usually have a passion about the work that they do, the cause they represent. And it makes it easier for people to bond. And it's easier to connect because you already have this important common interest. If you're not sure what you want to volunteer in or where to find volunteer opportunities, a great resource is volunteermatch.org. What's great about it is it has all these different categories so you can figure out what you're interested in and then you can look for jobs. Or you can use that site to figure out what you're interested in and not only look for that jobs on that site, but also even Indeed.com has a lot of volunteer opportunities. Doing volunteer work also makes us feel better about ourselves. And when we feel better about ourselves, we're more comfortable socializing. Action four. Nurturing existing relationships. Now, many of us have acquaintances, classmates, colleagues, or teammates and the like, so how do we make those relationships go to the next level? I'll tell you what I've personally done over time when I've felt the number of my friendships dropping or just wishing I had more close friends. And the main reason the number of my friends dropped was because I was not putting an effort to nurture those relationships. It was as simple at times to my saying no to invitations to lunch or drinks or to play golf or to respond to texts or emails, putting other things ahead of these relationships. So what actions did I take? First, I simply made a list of people and then decided who I wanted to spend more time with to get to know better, who I wanted to get to know me better. Then I reached out. And how I did it and the approach I took varied based on how well I knew them and how receptive I thought they'd be with my connection. Some I simply texted and said, hey, long time no talk, any time for a quick bite in the next week. It would be great to catch up. I'm pretty open next Wednesday and Friday. Note, it's a huge difference between saying to someone, hey, let's grab lunch one day, which is not likely to happen, versus giving a time frame, making it as specific as possible like I did in my example. Then there's the, hey, I know we haven't connected in a long time, was just thinking about you the other day, and the last time we had drinks. I'm considering making some career choices. You seem to be pretty good at having advice in that area. Does something over the next two weeks look good for us to connect? And I understand if you're busy. Note how much more passive that was because it was someone I was really not as close with and hadn't spoken to in a while. The closer you are, the easier it is to be more bold in your connection request. Hey, my wife is visiting her family in a few weeks. 
I recall you play golf and was looking to hit some balls at the driving range while she was out of town. Uh, there's this driving range in the neighborhood. If you're interested, just let me know. Hey, I was looking to learn more about your department and this company. Maybe we can connect for a half hour in a week or two as I'm trying to get more acclimated to this organization. Hey, I've heard a lot of great things about you, and it seems like you have a lot of knowledge in my space. I was wondering if you might be interested in being my mentor. So don't mean to put you on a spot. Um, I'd really appreciate if you think about it and get back to me. And if you want to talk more about it, I'd be happy to. I could go on and on, but the best thing I can tell you, after you pick friends, you want to get to know better and you want them to get to know you better and become more connected with, then give yourself some to-dos every week, even if it's just once a week, like asking one person each week to lunch or to have coffee, or reaching out to your friend Joe and ask how he's enjoying his new job, or give Amy a call, a colleague who's a recruiter, and see if she's open to giving advice on resume writing. And while you're talking to her about the resume writing, it's an opportunity to connect what's going on in your personal life, what's going on in my personal life. So P.S., when you interact with all these people you reach out to, I highly stress you practice doing two things. One is listening, which will allow you to learn about other people, and it leads to people finding you to be more likable, and more likely they'll want to hang out with you when they feel listened to. And ask people what they do for fun. Ask about their hobbies, their sports, their interests, volunteer work, so you can find things in common to talk about, and to possibly do together. Action five, take a class. (laughs) You'd be amazed how easy it can be to connect with others by taking a class. But it's best to take an interactive class where it's more natural to interact with others because you need to do things with them. Like a cooking class where you have to cook with others, or an acting or improv or writing or art class where you often get paired with others. The last thing I'll say about classes is there are classes on loneliness, being less shy, making friends and the like, which makes it more comfortable to connect with classmates who are trying to make friends just as much as you. And I mentioned these are the kinds of classes that companies should consider offering. I attended a class like this in college, and believe it or not, I ended up dating a classmate. Action six, and it may seem obvious, but it's just join something. Just click on meetups.com and you can pretty much find every hobby interest you can imagine. If you're an introvert, one of the more popular meetups is to join a book club. And there are also plenty of sports meetups, which then after the sport, people are likely to hang out. And there are plenty of activities you don't have to be good at to participate in, like pickleball or volleyball. I hope what I shared has given you some ideas of what you can do to be less lonely to make more connections, and to find a happier and more fulfilled life. If you ever do need more help when it comes to loneliness or any other life challenge issues, please feel free to reach out to me. You can email me at brucecoachcca at gmail.com or you can call me or text me 224-249-4042. I'm now offering the first coaching session at 50% off and a referral fee through the month of December of $50 for each referral that agrees to at least two coaching sessions. So thanks for stopping by, and thanks for listening, if you're still awake. I hope you were entertained, maybe learned something new, smiled a time or two, and here's to having at least an okay day. And if you don't, that you have what it takes to make it through. <laughs>